Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news and tips to rebuild the relationship between people and the planet the way nature intended by revitalizing our natural resources, minimizing waste and maximizing human potential. I trust you'll discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future so you can cultivate and transform them to suit your own lifestyle in order for us to collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. You'll find all the show notes in the description and lots more about me and my work at philipparos.com. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to share far and wide. Hello, Waste Busters. Welcome to June's edition of the Waste Not Want Not podcast, which is later than usual, so I can align the content with the energy of the winter solstice. It's exciting to feel how the energy is expanding and empowering people to create shifts. A huge part of the journey is becoming aware of what's in the way, which is why I'm running an informal webinar and challenge on how to shift your own shit tonight at 7 o'clock New Zealand time. I'll be talking about relieving stress and overload, reconnecting to yourself, reaffirming your worth, regaining clarity of mind and re-establishing a sense of direction. There's a link in the show notes to join and if you can't make it live, just register and you'll receive a recording. I ended last month's episode talking about National Crystal Day, which is sumptuously synchronistic since my guest today is Antoinette Kennard, a local mineral expert who founded Your Prana Mineral Gallery here in Kerry Kerry, where I live. It has a fantabulous collection of crystals, punamu, mineral art, bronze sculptures and jewellery pieces which openly express Antoinette's passion for the beauty of Mother Nature. But before we dive into the delicious content of the interview, I want to share some news on the environmental front about the proposed waste energy incinerator and building that will not now go ahead because Bioplant New Zealand withdrew its consent application. A result, I'm sure, that came about because of the pressure from people who made a stand, proof of the exponential effect we can make as individuals when we come together. Today is World Localisation Day and people from across the globe are coming together to present a webinar tonight on how we can collectively bring about a global to local shift to chart a new path forward for humanity. There's a link in the show notes. In sync with today's topic on minerals is a movement created by the Coast Road Resilience Group who are running a raffle to fundraise resistance against TIGA Minerals and Metals Limited, a largely Australian-owned corporate mining company, who reapplied for consent for industrial-style mining of ilmenite, garnet, zircon and gold in Barrytown on the South Island between Westport and Greymouth. The operation could continue for 50 years, which would have a devastating effect on the environment and wildlife. Check out the link in the show notes for your chance to enter the raffle and support this imperative movement to stop the mining. It's a movement I'm sure my guest Antoinette would undoubtedly back as her work with minerals is guided by her own moral compass to preserve and protect the planet. The wisdom she shares is uplifting and profound. 
So sit back and enjoy what she's discovered about the magic of minerals and how it can shift our energy to embrace change. It's an absolute delight to have you with me today, Antoinette. I'm very privileged because I only live about 10 minutes away from you and I discovered your prana studio when I came up here. In fact, it was recommended to me and I have a real connection to all things crystals, minerals and stones. But to some people, they're just rocks. So why are they so special? <laughs> Can you enlighten us as to what they're all about? Absolutely, Philippa. I'd be glad to. So everyone resonates with rocks, crystals, minerals, stones, gemstones, whatever you want to call them in different ways. Some people resonate with their colour and their beauty. Others are more fascinated with their mineral makeup, their chemical composition and how they were formed. You have those who are also interested in their metaphysical meanings. So when I say metaphysical, I refer to the doshas or the chakras or um, the meaning behind the stone. Everyone relates to them in different ways. Some people also connect with them purely on their texture. So smooth, hard, rough, polished, point. And then you have different meanings behind those as well. On your website, you talk about you wanting to share the beauty and the connection of the rocks with the connection with the land and the beauty of Mother Earth. What is it? Is it just that or was it more than that that actually drew you into working with them? So there's a few factors there. To begin with, when I was younger, I used to go along the beach. Me, Opa, Oma, my sister, we used to go along the beach and find things. And Opera and I would find things and then we'd make things out of them. And so it started with little pebbles and powers. And so that's kind of how I got into the creation side. And that started my fascination. He was also from Indonesia. He used to be around diamond mines and all sorts of things like that. So there was a lot of fascination there. Um, wow. But also I have a large background in health and well-being. So I'm really focused on mindset, but also the science behind health. So when I would work with my clients, uh, it would be, well, what can uplift you? And rocks have a part to play in that with their metaphysical meanings and how they relate to different things. Um, and then you've got the chakras, the doshas, principles behind that as well. But then that's also how I got into the science of it. Because like, who doesn't want to know how a diamond is created? And um, the difference between carbon and how carbon can be the form of the pencil but also a diamond it's fascinating and I could talk about it for hours <laughs> yeah I think very much like myself once you go down a rabbit hole you just discover how much more there is and then you discover a bit more because I didn't realize until about six eight months ago much more than the metaphysical aspect of them and the color. I knew there were different textures, but the chemical compound of it, and obviously that connects to the country. So all regions, as you say, the nature of what you're doing is bringing a connection to the world because each of the stones come from specific areas around the world and with, they bring with them that energy as well and how they find them. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it, it honestly is. And then the fact that, like, a lot of people, I don't know, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's a few people out there who are like, oh, well, they're just rocks, like we talked about yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. But really, look at how many ways rocks are used in science. 
uh, look at how quartz was used in watches. And if you do two quartz points, rub them together, you create electricity. Look at fluorescent gemstones, which you can see in a glow in the dark exhibition. Look at shungite, who's teaching against EMF and how that's been scientifically proven. The fact that it contains nearly all the elements of the periodic table in it. You're saying that that doesn't have anything to affect you on? But then also, another thing, think about the Earth magnetic field. Think about how that influences us. Think of how the moon influences us. Absolutely. Is there anything powerful about this current new moon? It is the Gemini new moon. It's about change, spontaneity, being talkative, speaking fluently, and really owning your communication. So if there's something that you need to say or something that you need to do and you need a little bit extra confidence, this new moon is the time to do it. So is there a stone that you would recommend people connect to for that to help them? Because my immediate thoughts go to the throat chakra and a blue stone. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So you could go for the throat chakra. You could go for sodalite, lapis lazuli, aquamarine, um, chrysocolla. You could also look at it from a different perspective and you could go for the zodiac stones of Gemini. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're wondering what they are, we've got the four top ones listed as one of our blogs. The winter solstice signifies the longer days and the coming of summer and it also is a really good time to connect with loved ones, connect with family and realise what you have in your life to be grateful for, to be thankful for and really take a collection of that and reflect on it all. For me, what I do within my own work is to get people to understand the energetic flow of the calendar itself and the seasons, because at this time of year, it is about slowing down, particularly about the stopping and pausing and not doing the busy, busy all the time, because this is where things are under the surface and all sorts of of things are starting to grow that they won't necessarily come to fruition, but they're gathering all the nutrients from what's around so don't keep pushing yourself all the time I think it's a really good important lesson eh? yeah you need to slow down for that creative intuition to come through and this time of year is for that one of the big things about these conversations is to help broaden people's minds because so much of the magic of the energy that we are actually immersed in and um, are ourselves is intangible And so you can see a rock, but you can't see the magic of it. And as you say, people are drawn to them for different reasons. And you spoke earlier about the well-being with the chakras and things. And obviously the energy comes off and serves different parts of the body and the mental state. Do you have a story behind your own well-being journey that pulled you into that aspect? Or is it just something that you're interested in? It was really when I got into yoga. I was previously into all sorts of sports. Uh, At one point, I was a gymnast and a rugby player. There was a fascination with yoga a little bit there with the gymnast kind of thing, but not so much the spiritual side. Um, But it was really the mindset stuff that came into probably about 2010 onwards. And I had a spinal fusion. And then after the spinal fusion, I went and studied yoga because I was being told that I wouldn't be able to walk again I wouldn't be able to do all these things again and I had this mission to prove everyone wrong to stop putting labels on me 
and I wanted to defy all odds. So I did everything in my power to make sure that I could do whatever I wanted physically with my body. And part of that journey that helped me do that was my yoga practices. So going into yoga, that opened up a whole nother world. I dived into the chakras, the Ayurveda, also looked at Chinese medicine. I'm fascinated by epigenetics and how it integrates all the different health systems around the world and it looks at every aspect of your body, not just your physical body, but how your mental and your spiritual are all intertwined. I interviewed Bruce Lepton a couple of months ago. He's just (laughs) mind-blowing. Forefather of it. It just reminds me of um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who had a a spinal injury as well, and he was told that he couldn't walk. And for him, it was a mindset, and he envisioned himself healing. And he's doing phenomenal work now, and he's brought more and more scientists in to create records of what's actually happening to the physical body and the mind, the brain as well, as to what happens. And again, it is those energy levels and how it just blows the whole physical, mechanical side of things to one side. So did you still have a connection to your grandparents in your well-being journey or was it just something that was a part of you? That was more so my own journey. There was aspects of my family, I wouldn't say them in particular, but other members of my family where I saw their health and I was just like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go down that path. They were very happy, but I had no judgment against them, but I was just making a choice for myself that I know I can control my outlook. I know I can control what happens in the future by my actions now. So I'm going to take hold of that and do it. Fantastic. So how did your real obsession with all the different forms of crystal, because you've got such an amazing collection in your shop <laughs> and you do so amazing things. How did your obsession start and how did you channel it into more of the crystal side of things? Well, interesting story there. It actually stopped for a period of time. Right. So you know how you meet people in your life and sometimes they make you think that things are unacceptable? Right. This particular person, an ex of mine, made me think that this realm of mine was unacceptable. So that was a couple of years. And then after that, I came out of that relationship being like, fuck it, I'm going to do exactly what I want and embrace every single aspect of me. And I dived deep into it I was like this is me this is where I'm at this is where I'm going I'm going to learn everything and the deeper I got into it the more I found wasn't talked about or wasn't shared in the same way I'm sure a lot of your listeners and yourself would have maybe perhaps had a crystal book at one point in time or maybe they have a few most of them only focus on the metaphysical yes I have not seen one yet that talks about the Ayurvedic doshas. I have not seen one yet that talks about that all stones relate to different zodiac signs and there's not just one stone for each zodiac sign. I have not seen a book yet that talks about the chemical composition, the formation, the locality of the different pieces. So then that inspired me to go deeper into that element as well as the science of health. So what we've done is because I saw that area where I was like, I want to know this stuff, but there's no place where you can get it all. We've written a stone encyclopedia. So (laughs) for anyone who's like me, (laughs) you'd be like, hey, look, 
here it all is in one place. Even like uses in history or um, historical significances and things like that. Wow. So it's not all available yet. So we've written the whole thing and I'm slowly publishing it on our website. Once I've gotten all of it up on the website, then we'll look at what we can do with it from there. Maybe well, it's it's maybe. a phenomenal amount of research. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I get sidetracked when you find out something about something. I've got like 300 tabs open and I'm researching different aspects of it <laughs> to try to put it all together. <laughs> I was writing some stuff today and I was getting down the rabbit hole with it. And then I came back and I'm like, prioritize, focus on what you're doing. Yeah, well, I do it with my book because, like you, in creating your dictionary of all the stones and everything, I've learned so much since I started that there's a fear of not including it because everything's interconnected. And like you, I just have to say to myself, what is the objective with this? Stick to point. And I guess with you, you're creating a format. I mean, because you can always expand on it later, but the beauty would be to get the bulk of it out in an e-form. That's why I like the idea of putting it on the website first so then I can go in and tweak what I need to. And yep. then once it's all there, then we can publish it into mm. perhaps a, a hard copy. We want it to be easy, free and accessible. I don't think yep. it's something we're going to like publish outright. I think it's just going to be available mm. through us. So in that journey, have you travelled to some of the places to study more about the stones or have you been drawn in by a particular stone, stones? Yeah, so we travel when we can. We love travelling. We love finding out every aspect about the mines, about what the, the miners go through, what it looks like. We do a lot of study online because, so gemology-wise, there's nothing in New Zealand. Um, right. so do you know the difference between gemology, geology, and mineralogy? No. Please enlighten us. A geologist is like a, a broad term for an earth scientist, and from there you can go into many narrowed fields. Yeah. Um, you could go into oil refinery or you could go into mining of steel or, or things like that. A mineralogist studies minerals, but typically what they'll do is they'll break down the mineral to find out what's in it. And a gemologist, which is what we love, is someone who preserves the state of the stone or the mineral, whatever it may be, and then does tests on it without breaking it down to find out what it is. So what is the difference between a gem and a mineral? So a gem can be a combination of minerals like sulfur right so a crystal is a gem yes um it depends again (laughs) on your definition so typically people think of crystals as clusters or points or like quartz yes yes quartz is a crystal but some people wouldn't think rose quartz is a crystal if they saw it in its natural state because rose quartz does not naturally form and points like you will see smoky quartz or citrine or amethyst then you might call that a stone or a rock but when you see it polished and cut you're going to call it a crystal right so it's quite a fine line so how do people know if it's kosher because there's lots of people do them at markets and things like that yeah so say you're going hunting for stones yeah 
let the stones find you. Don't hunt the stones. It's, it's like the rule with Ponamu. If you look for Ponamu, you will never find Ponamu. And obviously only specific people um, are allowed to search for Ponamu. But if you actively look for it, you will never find it. It is when you're not looking for it that you will stumble across it. But in regards to other stones, like for instance in New Zealand, if you really, really feel a connection with it, okay, take it home. But only take a small amount. Don't take any more than you can't carry. And respect the stone. You're talking so a lot of if you find it in its natural state on the land, which is really um, valuable advice. But if um, people are visiting markets or something like that, how do they know if it's a good, bad or indifferent crystal? If they're in tune to the energies, they'll feel it. Yeah. A lot of information can be supplied about it. They can know that, hey, look, this person really knows what they're up to. They really know what they're talking about. They're really invested in stones. There are occasions where people are like, hey, this is a cool stone, but they can't tell you anything about it. They just have a fascination for it. In those cases, me personally, I'd be like, okay, well, I'd like to know that you know what you're talking about and what you have here. But if it's someone who's making jewellery, that's their focus. Yes. You won't come across many jewellers either, like professional jewellers who can tell you every aspect about the stone like um, we can at your prana. It's, it's very different. But they are very knowledgeable about their craft and how they work it and why they put that specific stone in that specific piece. Right. So how did yeah. you get into the jewellery making side of things then? Uh, that stems back to Opa. Right. <laughs> I knew there must be a connection somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that stems back to Opa, and it's just evolved since then. We're working on some amazing new pieces at the moment, which we can't wait to release. He's passed on now, but it's like a real connection that I have with him doing all this work and sharing yeah. all this knowledge. And he used to be able to tell the most incredible stories that would just capture you. and you'd be like, what was that real? Did that actually happen? But then back in those times, it was very different. Was it more so, accepted or not? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of taken yeah. a dip and then it's risen again. Wow, interesting. Yeah, there wasn't so many questions about it back then. Um, well, not from what I understand from what he's told me anyway. Now, I actually... Love the fact that there's more regulations and there's more knowledge being shared and um, everyone's really focused on doing their you know, environmental part with it because yeah. that's a big focus for us. There's still quite a few that aren't, but you see that they are starting to come on board. Yeah, it's um very much like my guest last week was a gentleman who has a, an olive farm nearby here in Waipapa and he's 80 this month. and He's got an old-fashioned press. What he was saying about virgin oil and extra virgin oil, a lot of the goodness is taken out because of the commercialization of stuff. And so this is the beauty of when you're so deeply connected as you are with all the stones that your own love goes into them and your knowledge and your just curious, inquisitive mind. It's just a huge, great big package, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. Everyone knows that we share our passion and our love for our work. Mm. And it's great that people see and feel that. You've witnessed it. The moment you walk in the door, yep. it's just like, wow. 
that love, it's that passion, and it is infused in everything that we do within all our gems. I mean, they're cleansed energetically with sage and palo santo. We've got selenite everywhere, but then also we handle them every single day. We always make sure that they're in the most pristine state. And then when we wrap them up and we send them on their way, whether it be with a customer in store or we're sending them out via the website, we package them up beautifully. We wrap little petals and scent it and write handwritten notes. It's a full passion love process. And it's good that people recognize that and feel that. You touched on earlier the Punamu, which um, for those who aren't in New Zealand, can you explain what the Punamu stone is and what it actually represents and what you do with them? I will touch on what I can here, but what we have recently done is written a full blog about every frequently asked question we get. So Punamu is greenstone, but Punamu is greenstone that is only found in New Zealand. So you can find greenstone all around the world, but Ponamu is exclusive to New Zealand. So I want you to think of Ponamu as like a category. Right. And underneath that, you've got about 10 different types of stones. Okay. So most people think Ponamu is one stone as well. The other thing is greenstone, we don't feel is like an accurate translation for Ponamu either. Because not all ponamu is actually green. You've got elements of ponamu that have red and yellow in them and blue. From my knowledge, people will buy a stone as a gift. I don't know whether this was right or wrong, but you don't tend to buy it for yourself. It's a gift for someone else. And then that takes on your energy and the colour of their stone changes. How much of that is right? Yeah, you've got quite a bit of it right. So the reason it was always seen as a gift is because back in the day when Ponamu was gifted or traded between people, it was generally not a piece that was carved to be worn. So for instance, a hei tuki, hei means worn, tuki is a reference to an ads, and you can see ads in cultures all around the world, um, and tuki is the name for it in New Zealand. But it wasn't traditionally worn. It was like equipment or tools or oh. um, sculptures and things like that. But now everything's been modernized. We don't need those tools anymore. So Ponamu has taken on a new realm where it's quite often worn and it's now also seen as a significance of people's relation to New Zealand, the land they love and the people they appreciate here and respect here. So, for instance, someone who's visiting from abroad had a great stay with, say, a Kiwi family or a Māori family, and they want a, a piece of New Zealand, they might select a Ponamu for themselves. And it would be okay, but it's not like how it was, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to define the different areas. So traditionally, it was always gifted. Now it's changed a little bit, but most people still gift it. And when someone gets it for themselves, we suggest that perhaps they get someone else to purchase it for them and then gift it to them or find some kind of way around around it. Maybe a husband does it for a wife because the wife was drawn to it. But with every stone, when you see it and there's that connection, you know. You know, there's a significance that's instantly come up there, you know. So you actually, you or, or your partner actually do the carving, don't you? Do you stick to a set amount or can somebody come with you with a design or you can create one together? 
How does that happen? We create all our pieces in our creative studio. We do do commission requests and a lot of the pieces that you see just come to us. What happens when you're working with stone is it speaks to you. You can't tell the stone what you want it to be because I can 100% tell you that that stone will not come out anywhere near what you want it to be and um, it might fling out or it might do something. Um, you cannot put your creativity on that stone. A bit like Michelangelo's statue of David, that's what he said, you know, it just, he chipped away and it came out kind of, so it was talking to him. Yeah, yeah that's how it works. I mean, you can have an idea. If you look at different pieces, you can see what can do what. But it all comes down to the energy, but it also comes down to the literal physical piece of the stone. So what elements that stone has within it, for instance, structure, fracture lines, colour, colour can represent weaknesses or harder areas. There's a lot of um, different details within it. If people want us to create a piece for them, we get their idea, but we don't form the details. The details come to us when we carve the stone. Yeah. And then when it's presented to them, they understand it all. And do you work in the same way with the crystals and the gemstones that you work with? Yes. Yeah. You do bronze sculptures as well. So how did that come about? So that is actually Tahina's work. That's my partner's brother. And he was taught by their uncle, who's world famous over in Australia for creating his bronze sculptures of sports stars in various locations that are larger than life. They are just extraordinary. And so we showcase some of these pieces and we also showcase some of Tahina's pieces. And you can see the different styles quite clearly. Tahina's is very moldy. His waha'ika, his mato, they're absolutely fascinating. And then Dean has a frog or a koala and a dog. Very different styles, but they both speak volumes. We're all a very artistic family. Mm. We're very passionate about what we do and what we create, and you can see it in the gallery. You can't always pinpoint things like you with your grandfather. It's an innate part of you, and life takes you on journeys to discover things. And these challenges in life come about to help us really assess what is important, you know. And you came out of that saying, fuck it, I want to be me. And you really immersed yourself in it. So, well, take it or leave it. This is me. <laughs> Love it. Exactly. It was just like, no, I'm going to stand fully in my presence and own every single part of me. And if someone likes it, great. If someone doesn't like it, that's also cool. But I'm going to be me. But it's also what I hear is the fact that a lot of it is like honouring because you drew on them for your own well-being and you knew deep inside intrinsically from your grandfather the power of these things, but you couldn't necessarily put it into words. And the more you discover about it, it's that knowing. And again, this is the, what the world that we live in, we have to justify everything we do as opposed to just drawing on what is moving us. And for yourself, it was uh, all to do with the stones. Is there any other medium you would like to experiment with or have experimented with? I was just thinking natural elements. Is that anything that intrigues you? There's a few things that we have in mind to create, but we do want to stick to the realm of stones because otherwise it's too easy to get swallowed up into another realm. We've looked at wood, but we want to 
work with wood in a way that it combines with stones rather than work with wood on its own. Yeah. And yeah. there are some incredible woodwork artists out there and we refer people to them all the time. We used to do a variety of different things, but we decided to come back and just niche it because mm-hmm. it's just so much easier rather than trying to be here, there and everywhere. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, in terms of our passion, we love everything that comes from Mother Nature, um, like fossils, for instance. Fossils are incredible. Opalized fossils, you can find fossils anywhere. How would you envisage people embracing simply, if they haven't started, how could they embrace it as part of their lives? So if they haven't started, I would say, depending on your interest, start with a small collection. Like we have had quite a few people come in to the gallery and they're like, I've just discovered stones and they start collecting all the stones in the gallery and I will encourage them to put them back and come back and get them next time until they've learned about a handful of stones Mm -hmm. because you can get all sorts of stones, great, good on you, but if you actually don't know what they represent to you, they're rocks on a shelf. So it's really that connection, isn't it, that's so important? Yeah, and even if it is just beauty, there's still a connection there. Absolutely. Someone can come in and buy a stone and they might not believe in the metaphysical, they might not believe in any of that kind of stuff, but they're going to form a connection with that stone and that stone is going to represent that connection for them. Whatever it is within them, that stone will have manifested that and every time they come back to that piece, they'll be like, oh yeah, that's why I got that. I was feeling this that day or this happened that day or I needed some extra love and that's what that stone signifies to me, whether it is a rose quartz or not. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. And again, I think the fluidity of it is like art, it's like anything really, whilst there is information on what its metaphysical properties are, you have to trust yourself and that connection as to what meaning it has for you. That's really valuable advice. So when it comes to the different textures as well, I like things in their raw state. So I'm not so attracted to the polished ones because they look messed with to me. (laughs) (laughs) So is it just the aesthetic side of things, the reason that we have a, a collection of different shapes and textures? Some stones look better polished. You can't see the beauty within them unless they're polished. Others don't need to be touched. Sometimes it's just bringing out the inner beauty. When I was mentioning the textures earlier, people relate different emotions to them. So rough is like might be going through a rough patch at this point in time, but I know that I'll get through it. I'll know that I'll learn from it. Smooth is, okay, embracing fluidity and maybe it's speech or maybe it's confidence. And then like a a middle ground where it's not quite smooth but it's not quite rough. It's like, okay, cool, I'm I'm in this middle area and I could go left or I could go right, I could go back or I could go forward, but which way do I want to go? That's how people can relate to them when it comes to texture. Mm. So what about the pointed ones? So you've got um, natural points, you've got generators, you've got obelisks, you've got pyramids. There's a number of them. On our website, you'll notice that we just refer to them all as points because it's a lot easier for someone who <laughs> doesn't understand the, yeah. the different elements of it. But we can easily go into it if someone asks. Basically, um, a point is a concentration of energy. Oh. And so some people like them because of that, the meaning behind and the significance. 
like pyramids or we call sides. Pyramids are very powerful structures. Others uh, just love the um, beauty and magnificence of a point, whether it be natural or whether it be carved. Earlier, the selenite that you have all over the shop, I know that's a very special crystal. Can you explain what it is? I know it's a white one, slightly frosty looking, isn't it? It's a very fibrous structure and it's got a very low moss scale on it. So if you wanted to get a piece and dent it with your fingernail, you very easily can. If you brush it, you'll see little fibrous pieces come off. So it's very, very soft stone. But in terms of metaphysical meanings, there is a bunch for each stone, but its main one is it's an all cleanser. So you know how you would go around with sage and you would cleanse and you would do this elaborate ceremony for a certain occasion or maybe to dispel undesired energies. Selenite is constantly doing that. Right. It's not just a one-off occasion. So people pull it above doorways. People put it next to their other crystals. They might have it near the computer. It's great. So basically what you're saying is follow that instinct and be drawn to something, but really make a connection. I guess it's a bit like life, isn't it? If you've got too much of something, you can't soak in the beauty of it so much and honour it in the same way. So, you know, Take the journey slowly because it is about that energy and the connection that you have to it. And the beauty is the more like yourself, your own journey, the more you collect and get to know them and make that connection, the more you go in and discover things and you can create an environment that actually uses them like the selenite and the shungite. So is there anywhere that you would like your business to go? Yeah, we've got a lot of plans. Um, I would love to share them, but I can't. Okay. Um, But once we put them all into action, you'll see. So a lot more interactive things, put it that way. Interactions that create a desire for more knowledge and allow people to learn more. Because, yes, your Prana Mineral Gallery is a passion business. Yes, it was all about sharing love for Mother Nature, but also love between ourselves. But the other massive thing for us is sharing knowledge and putting as much knowledge out there so people can learn more about Mother Nature and all its beautiful aspects. It's not just about stones. When was the last time you walked down a path or you walked along in a forest or something and you stopped to smell this beautiful flower or you smelt the trees or you smelt the ocean? When was the last time you knelt down on the beach and you looked at the fine granules of sand and thought, how the hell did this happen? Mm. what happened to create this Mm -hmm. you know it's opening your mind inspiring your mind to look bigger and deeper at the simple things of life so apart from your grandfather has there been a book or a person that has really influenced you yes there's actually quite a few trying to pick one at the moment Sahara Rose she's published several books If you're looking into yoga, Ayurveda, lifestyle, anything like that, she is honestly the bee's knees. There's this uh, yogic journal that I have had religiously for years and years. I recommend it to people all the time. Every single person who gets it is absolutely blown away by her work overall and just keeps following her journey. So Sahara Rose, she's great. Do you have a favorite quote that keeps you inspired? I have many. Okay. I think the one that's had the biggest impact on my life, it's not one I tend to use now, but the one that had the biggest impact on my life is I can, I will, I'll learn, I'll grow. 
That really solidified me when I was healing from my spinal fusion and there was a lot of things going on in that point in time. It was literally every footstep. So who wrote that? I don't think anyone wrote it. I'm pretty sure I came up with it. started with I can, I will. And then I just evolved it from there. So is the one that's more prevalent to where you are now? There's so many. That's the problem. (laughs) Like I literally recite quotes every single day. (laughs) What you have, you manifest. And so if you're continually putting that language in, that input, then you're changing how your brain works. You know, even genetics. Just trying to think of the most appropriate one for now. I practice acceptance of everything. The reason I ask about the quotes is because they tend to simplify some of the profound lessons and it helps the focus of what you're actually doing, where you are at. And at the time you were growing yourself and overcoming obstacles, they serve a purpose. It's like, what do you do when you find yourself in a funk? I stop, I pause, I reflect, I take a breath and then try not to react in the moment. Mm-hmm. and then move forward with a level head. In saying that, though, I also do not push emotions down. Mm-hmm. I take reflection on them, but I don't let one emotion or the other completely own me in that moment. Like, I, I take account of everything with that pause, with that breath. The other thing, I move all the time. So you will catch me in a yoga pose pretty much every 30 minutes. <laughs> Because something will have happened or I need to take a breath. So I move, I breathe, I collect my thoughts and then I go forward from there. Brilliant. Yeah, it is that pausing that's so, so important, isn't it? I haven't yet walked into your shop with you in a pose, but I won't be astounded next time I do. (laughs) (laughs) I've got this thing where I can hear people coming up the steps. The only way you probably catch me in a pose is if I've got the aerial hammock out on the deck down and then I have no control because if someone drives past got me in a pose (laughs) but that's life that's you that's gorgeous so if I was your fairy godmother and could grant you anything in the world which I'm sure the energy from all the the stones that you have what is the one thing that you would like to see the one change you'd like to see in the world I've got it I want to see if you can guess it though that people recognize their own power and have a connection to nature pretty close that everyone would share unconditional love beautiful beautiful and yet in doing so that's getting rid of all the conditions that we've been told to follow and your journey it just reflects how important it is to follow your instincts and use where you're at as guidelines to help you follow your instinct and actually inquisitive mind and the creative side is so so important for growth and development isn't it yeah it is it is but the other thing to note there is you cannot be creative and you cannot be inquisitive and you cannot listen to your intuition unless you take time for reflection you take time for pause you take time for clarity Mm. if someone is busy doing a million different things at once Uh, which we all can relate to at one point in time or another. But you can also relate and look back at that time and know that there was no creativity, there was no peace, there was no calmness, there was no intuition. It's about having that space to be being able to do those things. 
And as you say, it gives you much more opportunity to respond to the signs or signals that you receive yourself and the people around you and the environment as opposed to just reacting to it. Life really is about that pause to find connection to ourselves and nature. What a fabulous way to end. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been thoroughly enjoyable. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on here, Philippa. You're welcome. You take care. Bye. Bye. Didn't Antoinette share some real gems in that interview? A big one for me was about slowing down to appreciate and integrate the extraordinary beauty that we're a part of, thereby creating space to gain clarity and peace of mind. I also loved her fucked attitude, standing in her own power, a woman after my own heart and in tune with the emphasis of my work, empowering you to be the author of your own life. Don't forget to join me tonight on my Shift Your Shit webinar. There's a link to register in the show notes and you'll get a recording if you can't join me live. July is just around the corner and apart from being my birthday month, it marks the start of Plastic Free July and Madariki celebrations on the 14th. No doubt I'll introduce you to another intriguing guest to brighten your day and broaden your perspective on life. So make sure you follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. All feedback and reviews are much appreciated, as are your suggestions for subjects or guests you'd like me to consider. Just email me on info at So until next month, have fun, dig deep and open your mind to a world of possibilities, live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential.